chipped up there by Ellis to center. Here's Grimaldi down the left wing in the Vegas zone. Throws a backhander wild across in front of the net. Now a try by Ellis, and it's deflected in front for the score. Juris was in front. Grimaldi was heading that way, and the Predators get on the board. It's Colton Sissons to the corner on the right side, trying to cut inside Benino. Menino now gives the puck in front. Backhand try, and it's in the net to tie things up. Wow. So the Predators never gave up on that play, and they tie the game 44 seconds into the second period. Roman Yossi back after serving his major, and the puck comes back down in the zone. Picked up now left side, Arvidsson. Arvidsson makes a move there, and the shot and the score by Kelly Yarncroft to give the Predators back the lead at 5.08. Ellis with the pass to the line. Here's DeShane trying to get behind the D. Couldn't get much on the shot. Goes after the rebound with McNabb. Flips the puck straight away out. But nobody there at the defensive position for the Nashville Predators. Now the puck's stole by Forsberg, and he scores! Careless play by Fleury. Forsberg picked the puck up almost directly from the Golden Knights netminder and just flips it into a virtually empty net. At the blue line. Ellis gives it off, and the shot and the score! From the top of the left circle, Kyle Turris gets his second of the night. And the Predators extend their lead to three goals. Passes cross ice, and this one comes to an end. The Predators end up with a 5-2 victory here tonight. And what was supposed to be what could have been a potential Western Conference preview in mid-October turned out to be a one-sided affair as your Nashville Predators go into Vegas last night and defeat the Golden Knights 5-2. to Welcome in, Morning Drive. Good to have you here live on a Wednesday. Nick Braden, D-Mace Marquise. Happy Hump Day, boys. How we hump doing? Day. How we hump doing? Day. <laughs> hump Day. Hump Day. Whoop, whoop. Whoop whoop, hump day. What's up, Mr. Periscope? What day, what day is it? What day is it? What day is it? Huh, huh, huh? It's hump day. It's hump day. Whoop whoop. Yeah, hump day. It's Wednesday. Y'all are annoying. Who want to I mean, it's okay. It's hump day. You still got what? Two and a half. You still got three, four working days. Three, four, three full ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not hump day yet. We're not even one of the 16 segments down yet, Derek. So we no. still have three full work days. Hump day is what? Around 8 o'clock Wednesday morning. No, I think, no, for us. I think hump day is 12. all of Wednesday. No, it starts at around noon. One o'clock after lunch, then hump day. No, starts. you think that camel didn't walk in right away first thing into the office saying hump day? <laughs> he then walks in after he lunch. He walks in the very beginning. No, man, he starts. He goes, "What day is it? Hump day." That's. He doesn't wait till after his snack. He's daycare. <laughs> All right, we are absolutely loaded today. Some good stuff on the Preds. We've got breaking news on the Tennessee Titans. Is Ryan oh, Tannehill? Oh. Has been named the starting quarterback. Is it breaking news? It is breaking I news. I don't think it's that. Yeah, I don't think it's that. It's, it's more like sprained. Yeah, no, way to kill my momentum there. Thank you. Good uh, job, Nick. Ian Rappaport last Sorry, night, Nick. nine hours ago, reporting that, in fact, Tannehill will be the starting quarterback moving forward. Uh, but before we get to that, last night, Predators 5-2 victory over Vegas. Uh, and I, I thought it was, and there's a lot of good from last night, but I, I thought the interesting thing is Pecorine, First career win against Vegas, uh, two starts in his lifetime in six meetings, picks up a dominant win, and don't look now, but he stopped 33 shots last night, but he is tied for the league right now in the NHL with four wins. He is unbeaten at 4-0-0. Yeah, they did not get off to the best start, which um, you know is what it is. Vegas can, can kill you with their speed, um, and, and so... 
Vegas dominated, carried most of the play in the first period, and then switched it up. Uh, Nashville got going, and they scored four unanswered goals. Now, again, you're down 2-1, so you don't like to be trailing in any game the way they seem to be trailing in every game, but it was early enough that they they countered quicker, and they really carried the play in the second period and just do, and just dominated in the third period. And so um, Kyle Turris gets on the board twice last night, right? So he's he is paying what he owes – I need to get off car to Kyle Turris and not hit that. Hey, he's showing up, man. Who, who of any who on this show was saying all year that he's far better than what he was last year? I, I said it all off season. He's far better now. Who knows if this is going to continue? We don't know. That's not fair. But to, to go on the road against a team like you said, Nick, that is picked by many to be either the Western Conference champion or and and clearly the Pacific Division champion by and large, every expert in, in hockey, to go on the road in that environment um, and, and to pick up a big win. And to your point, Pekka was really, really good in the second and third periods. Um, the the defense, Ryan Ellis is, is activating into the play uh, and producing. I think he had two apples last night. So um, it, it's, it was a really good all-around team effort. And a really fun, really fun game. Like Those two teams are both really good, really offensive, and can fly around the ice. So that, that, as we expected, that was a really fun game and a, and a really high-quality win for the Preds in the – as much as a regular season win in October can be. Here's your daily power play update. The Predators now 5 for 22 on the power play, which is 22.7%. They have got a power play goal in five of their first six games, and that ranks 14th in the NHL. So just a tick above middle of the road, but at 22.7%. And obviously numbers are inflated at this time of year. Right. Uh, if they finished at 22.7%, I think every single Predators fan would sign up for that. Yeah, 100%. And and consecutive games in a row where they're notching power play goals. You mentioned five out of six. So it's clearly working on offense. The defense was slightly better yesterday, thanks in large part to Pekka, but Pekka was still the reason. You still have to, you know, from a defensive execution standpoint, I think this team still has a little ways to go. But offensively, man, it's funny. They scored their fourth goal midway through the third period, or the second period, and I go, I go. if they ended the game right now and scored four goals against Vegas on the road, their their goals per game average would go down. <laughs> like, that's how good the offense has been. That's how good the offense has been because they're number one in the NHL. And then I'm like, well, you might as well go get number five. So they go get number five, and then their goals per game average goes up. So mm-hmm. still the number one scoring team in the NHL. Speaking of the defense, let's hear from head coach Peter Laviolette. He was asked if he saw what he wanted on the defensive end of the ice. I thought we worked a lot harder. We competed a lot harder on the puck. And like I said, the start I thought was okay the first five to seven, but the next 13 minutes we just weren't. We gave up too much. We gave up, I don't know, 18 chances and probably, uh, sorry, 18 shots and eight or nine chances. So that's too much still. But there's a, you know, we're, we're learning and figuring that out, I think, after. You know, you get away from it and realize what it takes to, to win on the road. And I thought the guys put really, they thought they really put it in in the second period and third period to tighten things up, and, and we did. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair from Lavi. I think 47-48 of the 60 minutes, defensively, they were much better. Yeah, no, and no question. And you mentioned the power play, 22.7% this year. That would have made them good for seventh last year in the NHL. There's a lot of power plays that are up in the... You know, the, the statistics have not normalized yet, right? Because it's too early in the season. So um, 22.7 from, from dead last last year in the NHL, that number last year that they're currently performing at would have been good for seventh in the league. So um, I know that number you said they're, what, 14th in the league right now? Yep. This year? That's because somebody. That's because some teams are at forty percent, which is like, <laughs> which is like not sustainable. You're not going to sustain that. It's 
The league leader last year was Tampa at 28%. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at numbers, the, the statistics. 28 is is good enough to lead the NHL. So 22, not far behind. And obviously uh, some improvement defensively, but there's really no need for any improvement offensively because this team has just been a juggernaut on that end of the ice. Let's take a listen. Here is Nick Benino last night. Asked if he can explain why the offense has been just been so darn good we're balanced and we're deep and uh you know we're dangerous our d jump in our forwards are all creative everyone's making plays and um tonight was a perfect example of that balance depth and i think this year because i've always thought that they've had depth and they've had balance and uh but this year i would just throw in another adjective they're electric i mean offensively they are as exciting as you could ask for in the nhl short of having a you know, a Nathan McKinnon, a Connor McDavid, you know, one of those top-tier top, top tier players. It, yeah, and, and listen, it's just it's unprecedented levels of offensive success. So how long does this – how long – the question is how long does it keep up, right? Like, we know they're going to go through some swoons. We know there's going to be some, some, some times where they, they don't play particularly well for stretches. It's called hockey. That's what, that's what happens. But right now you've got Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Ellis, Ryan Johansson, Roman Yossi, and Victor Arvidsson, all with at least six points on the season. Ryan Ellis has six assists on the year, seven points. All of those guys are, are, are on pace for more than a point per game, are on pace for a point per game or more. Callie Arncroft's got five points. Uh, Colton Sissons and Kyle Turris both have four, both of which have scored twice. Big goals from Kyle Turris, so... Um, interesting, interesting start to the season for the offense. Can't, it can't get any better than this. So, um, I don't know if it's sustainable, but man, it, it sure is fun to watch right now. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number. If you want to jump in on the conversation, six one five seven three seven one zero two five. We are loaded today. Obviously, big win for the Predators. Also, uh, some interesting news that came out on the Predators on TSN last night. We'll get to that coming up in the second hour of the show. The huge news of the day, not a surprise, but officially uh, last night, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network reporting that Ryan Tannehill, now the starter at quarterback for the Titans. We will certainly delve into that when we come back and spend a good chunk of that on today's show. Uh, Jalen Ramsey traded from Ooh. Jacksonville. Boys, we got a loaded show today, and that doesn't even include some of the good guests we have today. I don't mind Jalen Ramsey going from the AFC South to the NFC West. He going. If you're a Titans fan, that doesn't bother you one bit. Now, Nope. See ya. We'll see what those draft picks look like, but yep. Jalen Ramsey's not something you got to worry about now. All right, coming up this morning, 7.30, Derek Mason from Vanderbilt. Coming up at 8 o'clock this morning, our Derek Mason with another D-Mace dissection. Uh, Sean Henry from the Predators. Ian Eyre from Nashville, SC. Loaded show. Don't touch that dial. We're with you for the next four hours. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We are live this morning from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. So last night, nine hours ago, Ian Rappaport tweets out the following. The Titans are making a quarterback change. Ryan Tannehill has been informed that he will start Sunday against the Chargers. Sources tell me and Tom Pelissero, former number 2 overall pick Marcus Mariota, goes to the bench. So... Let's get it going. Uh, we thought this was a certain possibility. We said roughly 75% chance that it would happen. Well, it's locked in. It has happened. I, I mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'll, we can debate. All, there's like a million things to debate. I think the one thing I would say first and foremost on this is don't expect this to be a final decision. I would expect both guys to play the whole year because when Ryan Tannehill gets sacked eight times and they lose a game, they might go back to Marcus. And then Marcus gets sacked eight times and they lose a game, they go back to Ryan. I 
I could see them yo-yoing this thing for a couple couple games here, a couple games there. I, I, I have no idea if this is final. That, that would be my first piece of advice. Could, could, it, could it be both, though? I mean, I, I think Tannehill would need multiple bad starts to go back to Marcus. But I, I, I do agree that I, I think we're going to see Marcus again. Yeah. But I also think his Titans career is over. Yeah, and that's a very can, diff- can both exist. Yeah, I think that's, those are two very different discussions. I think there's a very complicated, very difficult discussion that needs to be had about what do the Titans do next year at the quarterback position, where right now they don't have a single human being under contract. Like you don't have a human being under contract to play quarterback next year for your team. Marcus Ryan or Ajar Vix, not not ready <laughs> to play quarterback. There's nobody on the roster, so they have to address that somehow. Whether that's Ryan or Marcus or another th- or a, f- a free agent or a draft pick or something, you have to address the issue. I I think that's one conversation. The other conversation is, hey, you're two and four, and you're two or three wins away from being back in the playoff conversation. What do you need to do today to win games? I think those are two very different conversations. Yeah, they are. Um, but this is what I'm hoping happens, and it has nothing to do with Marcus. I hope the, you know he comes in and you know. He, this team start winning ball games, um, and if that does indeed happen, Marcus, this this his stint here in Nashville is over with, and you know, uh, rightfully so. I think he needs a change of scenery. I think he needs to go somewhere else. I think he he needs to experience another another organization, um, because I think he's a good quarterback, but not with the Tennessee Titans. I think they want a little bit more from their quarterback. Um, they didn't draft him, um, so they're not on the hook for him. They can justify the move with the owner. Um, listen, he hasn't been horrible, but he hasn't been good either. Um, he's been okay, and they want more than just okay at that position. Um, so they go with Ryan Tannehill, and they figure to get a spark. And if he continues to play well, he's not the long-term fix either. But they figure they need to do something as a team uh, because it seems like that offense was trending the wrong way. Did Marcus make a lot of mistakes? No. But there's something – there's a reason his numbers look the way they do because they did not want to put him in a position to mess up. Uh, If you – I sat down yesterday and I I watched a bulk of that game from the coach's uh, view – and a lot of his, a lot of those pass routes, man, are two man routes. They're leaving guys in the block. Everything is simplified, it seems, and they don't, they don't take chances with Marcus in certain areas. And then Marcus don't release the ball um, because it seems like he's hesitant at times. Um, so, you know, throwing Tannehill in there, and, and 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 you know, from past experience, I think they will get a spark. Now, will the spark, you know? What does it result into? What it yeah. results into? Yeah. I don't know. But I think anytime you make a change, and it's not like Ryan's a bad quarterback either, but anytime you make that change, you're going to get a spark. I don't think it's necessarily even about the wins and losses right now. I think it's about how does he play at the quarterback position. If he does what they want him to do, if he's a reason why they 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 potentially can win the games, then they're all right with that. If he goes and they score 21, 24 points and they still lose, well, they're going to say Ryan did his job. So I don't think everything is attached to winning and losing. They just want more from that position. They want to be able to say, here, 
Go and do what you do. And I think with Marcus, they were not able to do that. Yeah, and if the defense causes you to lose a game, we're going to come in here on Monday morning and say the defense costs exactly. you a game. We're, we're not going to tell you otherwise. And, and listen, I, as a person who lives in Nashville, I would love to see Ryan Tannehill be great and be the savior and win a bunch of games and have this team go to the playoffs. That'd be great. I would love that for our show. I would love that for my city. I would love that. I think, I think we all – like, I hope I'm wrong. Like Corey Curtis said, I hope I'm wrong. I, I just – maybe there's a spark for a week. Maybe it helps him win this weekend. Um, I don't. I think we have ten years worth of data that shows that Marcus is the better player, and I, it doesn't mean that it's not the better move to go to Tannehill right now. I don't have a problem with them doing what they're doing, um, and I and I completely agree with you, Derek. That I, I think the Titans organization. Now, I do believe that there's a bit of scapegoating going on with Marcus. That they can take all these other issues on the offense and put it all on one guy and say, "Oh, uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna fix all those issues with Ryan Tannehill," and he's still standing behind Ryan Roger Saffold. There's nothing they can do about that, though. You, you, I know, and and well, I don't know. Maybe you can make a trade. You get to get the Rams going out and making huge trades. Again, Later not many people. Goes you're gonna Astros, have to give up. You, you're gonna. Yeah. The Astros just acquired a left exactly. tackle. Here's That's a really problem. Weird. Here's the problem with that. Great catcher. That you're, you're, you're absolutely right. They could potentially make a trade, I, and I'm not saying they should. Yeah. I'm just. But people know they need. People know they are in need of that position, and they will ask for the house and more. I agree. To and try to make a trade to facilitate. But do that. what you did with Ryan Tannehill. Put Dennis yeah. Kelly in and get Nate Davis on the bench and let him practice a little bit more before he's ready. Or just do. Just try something because I, I don't think it matters right now. I don't think it matters. When Derrick Henry over a four-game stretch is averaging almost th- barely three yards a carry, and your quarterback has been sacked 29 times in, in, six, in, in six games, you're averaging five sacks a game. The offensive line is the problem. It's not the quarterback. It doesn't mean he can't be better. Of course he can. The receivers can be better. You know, my, my, my dad can be better. Everyone can be better. I get it. But, like, this, the, the offense struggling is not it, – it's the offensive line's fault first and foremost. And until that is changed, I don't know what – like I don't think it's even fair to judge Ryan Tannehill in the next couple of weeks because no. the offensive line is such a tr- is so, such a train wreck. I certainly don't think it's fair to judge Marcus. In fact, Marcus I thought did pretty well in in the face of a of a bad offensive line, except for against Denver where he was atrocious and they needed a spark. And you know nothing really different happened when, when Ryan Tannehill came on the field. They they did they went down. The, they had three drives. He ran fourteen plays. They gained twenty eight yards. They got two yards a play when he was in the game. Then on the last drive, when they were playing seven deep prevent coverage, he went down the field and they threw an interception. So I, I don't, I just don't think it's fair to judge any either of these two guys. Unfortunately, I don't know who you know if either guy can win you football games right now. Um, and it does. I'm, I think Derek, I'm coming around on the idea that Marcus was a good quarterback. Something has gone wrong, and he will be a decent quarterback somewhere else. That that's that's what's changed for me. Is I thought he would be better here in Nashville for the Titans, and now it feels like for that to happen, it has to happen somewhere else. That's that's probably what's changed for me personally. And, and the reality is the Chargers are a bunch of underachievers this year, too. They're 2-4. and four. They are currently 21st out of 32 teams in, in, in regards to sacks and getting after the quarterback. They've only racked up 12 sacks this year. Uh, I know on paper, Bosa is supposed to be a stud. Ingram has been banged up and injured. But then again, we've said the same thing about the Bills and the Broncos. Their pass rush was non-existent until they played the Titans and looked like world beaters. It's going to be difficult for Ryan Tannehill to succeed this week against the Chargers or any week because of that offensive line. No, you're right. Um, And, you know, this season, if you want to get your offense up, you play the Atlanta Falcons. (laughs) Well, if you want to get your defensive 
your defensive sack game up, you play the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, you at least get two. The Broncos had five sacks the entire year and then had seven on Sunday. So you at least get two or three against the Titans and it up your game some. Um, You know, you can – I've always said this. Two people get two two people get too much credit and sometimes they get too much blame. The offensive coordinator and coach gets too much credit. Um and then sometimes they get too much blame. Um I looked at the pass that Aaron Rodgers threw to the young kid, um, Lazard. I think believe that's his name. Alan Lazard. Yeah. Iowa State University, four star recruit. Everybody talked Nerd. about everybody talked about, oh, it was a great throw. But had that ball just been a tick more inside or the receiver hadn't made a physical play, that ball would have been intercepted intercepted. People would have said, Oh, that was a bad throw by Aaron Rodgers. Why did he make that throw? But it was perfect. But sometimes you, the quarterback gets too much praise because that receiver went up. He made the he made tough a great catch. he made a great catch. He made the tough catch, phenomenal. Throw. And sometimes the quarterback gets too much praise, and sometimes he gets too much blame. I think it's the same here. Marcus sometimes gets too much praise, and the offensive coordinator gets too much praise, and then sometimes he gets too much blame. I got no well, praise for the offensive coordinator. You know, in this situation, you know the offensive line. Watching that game. The offensive line played better than what I thought they did, other than toward the end of the game when when Tannehill. They played a lot better than what I thought they did. They wasn't great by any means. They wasn't good in the run block. But in pass blocking, they were a lot better than uh, some of those sacks were attributed to the the running back not being able to pick up a blitz. Oh, man, he whiffed, um, he whiffed on yeah, a couple so, of them. So, I mean, they did, again, the offensive line didn't play great. But they were not as bad as I thought they were. Well, and on also firsthand. think about you know game situations, sixteen nothing, third quarter, fourth quarter. When it becomes apparent that you have to throw constantly, yeah. you take away the back. guessing game. Pin the ears back yeah. and, and come after. Yeah. I agree. I mean, listen, Marcus was bad on on Sunday. There's no there's no way around it. There's not a there's not an excuse to be made for anybody uh, on the offense. Frankly, I just think in general as a as a whole. What does the offense look like moving forward? Because again, you still have to play to win football games because it's there's still two thirds of the season left to go. You can't give up on on the season here, um, especially in an AFC that you know quarterbacks are dropping like flies and Jalen Ramsey's getting traded and like the the the, the, the conference is still fairly wide open. Um, you know who knows what Baltimore looks like as the season goes along? Does Lamar Jackson get better? Does do defenses figure him out? I mean, look what the Rams are going through, right? Like the Rams. All of a sudden, look look desperate because people are starting to figure out their offense. Like the NFL just catches up so fast to stuff mm-hmm. that L- Lamar Jackson, who knows what he's going to look like. We we the Cleveland Browns are clearly not as as advertised in the preseason. The Chargers are like you mentioned, Nick, are struggling. You just look around the AFC and you go, who, "What's the guarantee other than the Patriots and then maybe the Chiefs?" And and there's nothing. You, you've got space to move, you, but you got to win some games. And so, who gives you the best chance to win? I don't think anybody disagrees that going to Tannehill, like you said, Nick, probably gets people more interested in the product and, and at least allows people to see what it looks like. I have I've watched both of their careers for a decade. I, I have my own opinion on who I think the better player is. It doesn't mean he's the better player right now or today because, you know, Marcus looks broken. There's no question about that. So I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Brian Tannehill has a great game. I have a feeling that the offensive line is not going to allow us to truly – 
judge Ryan Tannehill or Marcus Mariota because, frankly, I think he's going to be running for his life just like the other guy was for the next however many weeks. All right, Titans fans, let's hear from you. We're going to open up the phone lines when we come back. 615-737-1025. Did the Titans make the right decision? Does it matter for the season? Can Tannehill salvage this season? 615-737-1025. Your calls. Chris will lead us off on the other side, and then you can climb in as well. Back after this on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise, taking your Titans calls. Ryan Tannehill, officially named the starter, 737-1025. What do you guys make of it? Is it the right decision? Does it matter? Can Tannehill salvage this season? Chris is first up on Morning Drive. What's up, Chris? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you as well. All right. To my, and good morning to my favorite wide receiver, and fellow Michigan guy. <laughs> um, really, to be honest, I think this is the right move to go to Tannehill mm-hmm. to kind of give a spark to the team uh, at the moment. Now, um, I just I think that Marcus's career, you know, unfortunately is over with as far as with the Titans, and it's kind of sad about that because mm-hmm. I think we all wanted him to succeed. But I think the bigger issue is, like everybody has said, it is the offensive line. And now the pressure, I think, really shifts onto the shoulders of Mike Vrabel and Arthur Smith. We're really going to get to the root of the problem and confirm that this problem is the offensive line because I don't see where Vrabel and Arthur Smith are doing anything about it to help uh, this offense, to help either Marcus or Ryan Tannehill, which tells me, I mean, Ryan Tannehill could be better, at least at the moment, but if this offensive line – doesn't get worked out. Tannehill is not going to fare any better. He's going to be running for his life, too. So I think it is the right move. Tannehill moves the ball down the field further, but the pressure shifts now to Braylon and Arthur Smith. The heat goes to them, in my honest opinion. No, you're absolutely right. Um, now, the sh- now the problem or the spotlight shifts elsewhere um, because you figure you've, you've dealt with one problem. Um, switching quarterbacks. Now, I don't even think it's so much so um, Mike Vrabel. I think it's Arthur Smith, an offensive line coach. This is where now those two guys need to be in a room together and and figure out a way to give Tannehill more time to throw the uh, football. I guarantee you now they start going more to quick pass game um, to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand very quickly um, and try to move the ball down the field that way. And let's also realize, too, and I think one of the reasons they brought Tannehill, and there was a variety of reasons, he's better than Gabbard, so forth and so on, the the, the playbook really shouldn't change because Tannehill and Marcus have a similar skill set. I, I did see a lot of people on Twitter, you know, and this, this, this was, a, I thought it was interesting, a couple people on Sunday saying, oh, well, you know, with that bad offensive line, I'm not sure Ryan Tannehill can escape the pressure the way Marcus can, and, and using that sort of as a reason maybe to stick with Marcus, and uh, to that, I would say, well, Brian's a pretty good athlete. He played wide receiver at Texas A&M, you know, at a pretty high level. He he can move around. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, you know, is Marcus a quick twitch athlete compared to Ryan? Is sure, he faster sure. probably. Yeah, yes. yes, but is, but like I, I thought it was interesting that people were like, oh, I don't know if Ryan can escape the pressure. The well, if if Marcus can get out of there, then then Ryan probably can too. Um, I, again, I just I'm 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 with the caller here on this one. I, I think it's about Arthur Smith to me. Number one, like. All right, like you said, Derek, you don't have the quarterback as an excuse anymore. 
you've got to make you've got to make adjustments and and whatever that looks like you know a quicker passing attack a more decisive passing attack a qu- you know running the football better something something has to happen because i don't think <laughs> i don't know why you think you're going to see a successful quarterback with Ryan Tannehill if he's playing behind that offense like i don't Again, I, I think you put Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers behind that offensive line, and I still think they struggle. So I, I don't know if it matters who plays quarterback right now. Seven three seven one zero two five. Eric is next on Morning Drive. Eric, you go ahead. How y'all guys this morning? What's up? Um, I know everybody's hating on the offensive line, and I know they're bad. But I seen some numbers yesterday that showed that they're averaging holding their blocks for two and a half seconds per pass play, and the problem is. Their other numbers show that Marcus is holding on to the ball for 2.8 seconds before he ever tries to find the receiver. And, you know, I'm just hoping that Tannehill can get the ball out a lot quicker like some of the other quarterbacks in the league to maybe find the receivers. And what Derek was talking about earlier about Aaron Rodgers and his court, his receiver, it just looks like to me when you watch other teams, they're playing more – the receivers trust their quarterback more. They'll go up after something. It just don't seem like our receivers trust Mariota at all to take the extra effort to go up and get the pass. And I'll just hear what y'all think. Appreciate it. I, I, I do think that Tannehill will let it rip quicker mm-hmm. than Marcus. I just don't know that Tannehill processes it between the years any better than Marcus does. Uh, here's the thing with Tannehill. He's, I think Tannehill is a little bit more decisive. He knows what he wants to do, and he's going to get the ball there. He's he's more of a. It seems like he gets to things a lot quicker um, um, than Marcus. Um, you know what 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 will help this situation is uh, a few things. They got to go to a more more of a quick passing game. A lot of shallow crosses, slants, uh, curls, something to get the ball out of the out of the quarterback hands very quickly. And then two, the receivers got to get open, man. Um, and and you know this, it all goes hand in hand. Again, I'm watching a film, and you know, I don't know because maybe this is Marcus' problem. I don't know what Marcus considers open in this league. I really don't. Well, you said what yeah. one or two yards I mean, is wide open. A yard is wide open. Yeah, your, your window a half a yard is open. Your window in college is like like four yeah, yards. I mean, your window in the NFL is less than a yard. It's it he. It seemed like he wanted the receivers to get more than a yard separation. And these guys are not getting it. And I'm not saying they are bad guys. I mean, Brown, I think he's going to be a good receiver. He has, to, he has to learn how to get off press. He has to learn how to get off tight coverage. He has to learn how to read zone defenses. Corey Davis has to continue to learn how to do things within this passing system. The problem is they don't have, other than Humphreys, they don't have no one on that roster that has done it consistently at a really good level to help these guys understand and see that's why malarkey kept around kept um um douglas around for so long you know because not because douglas was just better than there but because douglas could show those younger guys this is how you do it i might not be better than you but this is how you do it and they just don't have that guy in the receiver room right now that veteran guy um and Humphreys is the lone veteran guy. He's been in the league not no more than six years, five, six years. So I think four. Yeah. So I mean, it all goes hand in hand. The quarterback, the receivers, and how they orchestrate their passing game. Seven three seven one oh two five. The number D is next on morning drive. D, what's going on? Good morning, Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing well. Good, good. 
I have a couple of things. One is Marcus, considering what he dealt with, he, I think he did all right. Three different head coaches. I don't know how many different offensive coordinators, no stability, but he still tried to do what he could. He just real meticulous about what he does, trying to make mistakes because of what he, what he was dealt with. And then as far as him and Tannehill, they're the same skill set. Tannehill's more of a gunslinger. Like I said, uh, Mariota's more meticulous about what he does, trying to make mistakes. But they're both the same. And the offensive line, they got to get together. And we don't have an identity. What's the identity of the team? Are we a running team, passing team? What are we doing? We used to be a tough team, beat you up, we run the ball down your throat. We don't have an identity. I mean, I, I, I think they do have an identity. They they want to be a physical run team. They're just not yeah. good at doing it. Yeah, I mean, don't look at Derrick Henry's numbers the last couple of games. Uh, D, that's a really good call. I think that's that pretty much nails it on the head. Marcus is a, a a more careful, more meticulous player than Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill slings it around a little bit more, but they largely have the have similar skill sets. I think that's a pretty accurate description of the two guys. Um, and the offensive line is is a concern there. I, listen, listen th- to to quote the great Ehrlich Bachman. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, do some googling. Um, our entire corporate culture is that we have no corporate culture. That's our brand on the show. That shouldn't be the brand for the Titans football team. The Titans need to have an identity, and <laughs> I, I think they, like you said, Nick, they want to have a corporate culture. And their corporate culture, they want it to be power football. Where we're going to be physical and play defense and and blah 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 blah. blah. In theory, the best quarterback for that is one that doesn't turn the ball over. In theory, if that is going to be your identity, then what you need is a guy who protects the football and manages the game. Marcus has a better skill set for that than Ryan Tannehill does, but I don't know if they can afford to do that anymore because they can't run the football right now. They're not protecting the quarterback, and you got and you need a spark, so you make a change. Six one five seven three seven zero one zero two five. We will come back get more of your Titans calls. Uh, Cedric, Adam, everybody on hold, hang tight. We'll get you on the other side. Couple of open lines if you want to jump in. Six one five seven three seven zero one zero two five. Ryan Tannehill named the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. What does it mean? Is it the right decision? Can he salvage the season? You can take it any direction you would like to go. Back after this on Morning Drive. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise, loaded show today. Good to have you in here on a Wednesday. 737-1025, the number. Mike Vrabel has decided to move on from Marcus Mariota this week. Ryan Tannehill will get the start against the Chargers. And we are taking your call, 737-1025. Adam is next on Morning Drive. Adam, you go ahead. All right, man. So, I, BG, you know, I, I love you, man. I listen to your show every single day. <laughs> I have never disagreed as much as I disagree with you, man. I, I, you've made me mad all week. I haven't even all. <laughs> it's like Tuesday, dude. <laughs> it's not even Wednesday, No, it's man. Wednesday. <laughs> it, it just sucks, man. I hope Tannehill doesn't listen to this damn show. Like, he has zero chance, man. Like, Maybe, like, every opinion that you're saying right now, yeah, our receivers got to do better, our line has to do better, hinders on if we're thinking Marcus is doing everything right. Maybe he's not. Maybe we haven't had four years of bad luck crap receivers. Maybe the quarterback's not finding them. Maybe dude is not sliding in the pocket, and the line can't just come out. and say, I know they've been bull rushed a few times. Maybe they can't come out and say, he sucks. He's not standing in the right spot. You know, like, 
give Tannehill a shot. I know he got sacked three times. It was garbage. Four, four. It, was quarter, it was a quarter and a half, man, <laughs> and he was behind two touchdowns on the road. Sure. They knew sure. he was going to pass, and they were boring sure, no, uh, the whole time. Adam, you're, you're, all your points are valid, man. You're, you're, your points are totally valid. I don't agree that it's been four years of, of bad quarterbacking. I, I think there's been a year and a half of bad quarterbacking. Um, there's a playoff win and a lot of good stats in the first couple of years. He was a very good no, – not very good. He was a good player for a chunk of time, and then something has happened. And, and he's – the player that I saw against Denver was was not the player that he has been. It's 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 not like he's been great, but he's not been that bad. His, his, his numbers statistically, he was off to the best start of his career statistically mm-hmm. in the first four or five games um, before the Denver game. So I'm not disagreeing that Tannehill doesn't deserve a chance or that – he might not ignite the offense or give the ignite the fire, uh, give them mm-hmm. a chance or, or whatever. I, I'm not denying any of that. Um, it, it's just, it, I, I don't. My opinion, per, again, I'm not speaking for anyone else here, and we all call it like we see it all the time. Do you say that all the time? I have watched Ryan Tannehill play the quarterback position for a decade. I have watched Marcus Mariota play the quarterback position for a decade. I think it's very clear which one is better. I, I I'm not going to change my opinion on that. I, I, that is just what I think. That's what I feel. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is a winning playoff championship level quarterback. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he does succeed again. I want the Titans to win. I, I hope they, that he, that, that I'm wrong about that, but I have 10 years worth of data to, to make that decision. You can disagree with that and that's okay. I don't have a problem with it. It's a sports talk radio. We're allowed to disagree with each other. In fact, I think it's encouraged, <laughs> but I just, I've, I've looked at him for a long time, both of them. And I think one guy is just a little bit better than the other guy. I'm not saying drastically better. Uh, they're both average quarterbacks. I think one's a little bit better. I don't know who gives you the best chance to win well, right now. That is that is the problem. That, you know, one is just a little bit better than the other. Um, and one has, has had a season that has been better than the other. Um, that's the problem that you have. Again, I've... I've Marcus hasn't taken the hasn't taken a quarterback position and said it was mine. He's always left that door open. And if this is Blaine Gabbert, Marcus still would be starting because they would have no alternative. But now they have an alternative. <laughs> they can go to Ryan Tannehill because they feel that, hey, if he's just a little bit better than him, then you know what? We're going to make the change because it's not that drastic enough to where – you know, if we make the change, this team's going to go downhill. I've always said they are a eight and eight, nine and seven, ten and six team with Marcus. They are the same with Ryan Tannehill. How they go about getting to that point may be a different way, but they are the same team with the, both of the quarterbacks, and that's the problem. I drafted you second overall, sort of what um, Tampa's going through. Mm-hmm. I drafted you second overall. I shouldn't be in a space where I'm trying to figure out if you are the guy or not. Well, but since what, Marcus is pro, that's Marcus's fault. No, there's no denying that. I will say though that there's a lot of quarterbacks that have been drafted even since Marcus, and the team knew exactly how bad the quarterback was. You know, no, like, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying. It's I, I know spe- your, it's, your point. I'm just saying it's hard to, to right. And I'm saying what I, I guess what I'm following up like the next step of that equation, mm-hmm. which is certainly something the Titans will have to address in the offseason, is. And I think Rex Road and I were going back and forth on Twitter last night about this. It is very, very difficult to find a stud quarterback. Let's just call it what it is. It is really hard. To they don't. Find. They don't grow they on don't, trees. You don't just wake up one morning and have Patrick Mahomes. 
and Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck and Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Like there are five or six or seven of them every generation. Some of them overlap in their career. It is incredibly difficult to find a guy who is an elite quarterback to like play football and, in the NFL. Even when it's those guys exist, do. sometimes you take the wrong guy. I mean, when uh, the Paxton Chief- Lynch, Johnny Manziel, well, when the when the, when the Chiefs after, and Texans played on Sunday, some were calling it the Trubisky Bowl because uh-huh. the Bears took Trubisky yes. over both Watson and Mahomes. No, you're absolutely right. But here's the problem: How many teams are going to find a Andrew Luck, a a Drew Brees, um, uh, 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 Tom Brady, um, these up uh, Ben Roethlisberger. You can't even say Brady because he was drafted in the seventh round, and he just so happened it just worked out for him perfectly. Where now he's considered the best quarterback of all times. So you got to kind of throw, take, take. Take Tom Brady and put him somewhere else because he's not the norm. He's yeah, an Tony, exception. Getting Tony Romo out of Eastern exactly. Illinois as an undrafted free that's, agent is not a normal thing. That's an exception. Like, right. But here's the thing. You're not going – every team is not going to find that once-in-a-generation quarterback. But what they want to find is a good quarterback that can help them win, and that's the problem. Marcus wasn't that guy. Marcus hadn't been that guy why from, was, this, why from was this standpoint. Here, here, here's the thing. From this standpoint, Marcus didn't, again, Marcus didn't say, give me the ball. Everybody else get behind me. This is my team. You don't have to bring in another quarterback. You don't have to do anything else. This is my team by his play, not by his words. This is my team. He didn't do that. And that's the problem because every team is not going to find that gem. But what they hope to find is the guy that can be a leader and the guy that can win them games with the help of others. And Marcus hadn't been that guy. We've been saying for the last five years, he needs this, he needs that, he needs this, he needs that. Well, they get him this, and then something else fails. But he hasn't. But the common denominator has been him. And he hasn't gotten the job done the way that this organization had hoped he would get the job done. Again, not a bad quarterback, but if I'm sitting there as a GM and a head coach, I don't want to have to think every night, man, is he the quarterback? Is he the quarterback? Well, he had a good game this week. He had a bad game this week. He had a good series this time. Bad series. I, I don't want to live in that world. But nobody, I want to be that, able that was to go not the into world. the building. The first three years, that was not the no, world. Yet, that was not the world. Yes, it was. No, he had, he again, can be he a different one player. Season. He had one season, man. I'm, I'm just looking at this. He, I like Marcus. I do. I like Marcus. But he... I'm just looking at it. He had one season. Yes, he won a playoff game. You are absolutely in a, right. In another year, but he the had other year one he had Wiz and Hunt and put up season. good numbers too. He so had one, the first but three years. This, this is a, this season. is the league of bottom line, right? Exactly. Is, all we ever hear in the NFL is wins and losses, right? Uh-huh. Well, after four years and uh, six weeks, Marcus Mariota has a career losing record, and that's that's, it, that's what it basically boils down well, to. Two, two and fourteen, and with Wiz and Hunt in the first year, put put. Dismiss the first okay, dismiss Three the first straight year. winning season. No, dismiss the first year. Okay. Well no, you don't get to dismiss the first year. Okay, well we if you want to add in the first year, it I, doesn't help him. No, it if well, we're statistically, add in the first year. statistically it does. No, it if doesn't, you're gonna talk about stats, it, it does. does. If you're looking at what the quarterback position can do. He had the greatest rookie debut in the history of the NFL. He, uh, <laughs> what are you oh, talking about? I can pull I can sit here and I can pull out moments from a lot of people's careers. Sure, that's not what I'm trying to say. And we can say, well, they were a good quarterback, they were a good player, yada, yada, yada. Is it if fair he, for me to say that he was a, he was one player the first three years and he's been a different player since then? Is it, it's, it's okay to suggest that he, was his, one, he has changed? No, he was one guy that second year. After that second year, the numbers bear it. Yes, he won a playoff game, but the numbers bear it. After that second year, he went downhill. Now, you can blame it on offensive coordinators. You can blame it on he didn't, he 
didn't have any, but his numbers continued to go down. And if I'm looking as a head coach and a GM, I don't want that to be my, I my thought as a, when I'm going into the building like, damn, or I'm going to a game, matter of fact, not a building, but the game and say, man, right, but, but, I hope the quarterback plays Plays good but at the week. end of his third season, after two pretty good statistical years and going from the, the greatest single improvement in franchise history. But it th- wasn't that, him alone. I don't. I'm not, argue, I'm not arguing that, but he was a part of it. And he was the quarterback on a team that went from two wins to nine wins, the greatest improvement in a single season in the franchise's history. The third year, he then takes him to the playoffs. I sat at the bar surrounded by Titans fans who cheered their ass off for Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans after they he won a playoff game. Hang first on, half, hang on. And then the second I'm half, he had a bad that, down dude. pass Just, that he caught him. Just let me let, let me make my point that too. Argument is just, you, you, he man. can be two different players. It, it's okay that he's a different player today. That he's changed. That he's not as good. That he's making mistakes, mm-hmm. and that he wasn't making mistakes before. Two things: a broken leg and the offensive line that deteriorated. Those two things have happened. The coordinator, the coaching change, the coordinator stuff. There's all these reasons we can look at why Marcus has regressed. Jared Stillman asked Mike Vrabel the question: Why has he regressed? Because he has regressed. That is a fact. He was not a bust the first three years. He was a different player than he has been the last two seasons. And it's not good enough today. And no one's, we're not arguing that. No one's arguing that what he did on Sunday was good enough. It wasn't good enough. It's no, there's no question it wasn't good enough. It hasn't been good enough this season, even though the numbers, are, the numbers that everybody loves are back now. Well, it doesn't matter because he's not playing well enough. But when you win games, this was a winning franchise with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback. What are we going to talk about when we talk about the Mariota era? When we look, let's say it's over after he this year. He was so inconsistent. When, when, when it was over, when it was, when it's, it, let's say it's over right now. Let's say it's the, the end of the year, he's done, he's not coming back, he's not starting they, they, game. they went from irrelevancy to mediocrity. Bingo. And, they won a, and there's only one other player in franchise history who has won a playoff game at the quarterback position, and his name was Steve McNair. That's it. So it doesn't mean that he's not bad today. He can be bad today. And also have been good then. Just like the Derrick Henry conversation drives me insane about last year. He was not a good running back for the first eight weeks of the season. Then he was a very good running back in the last five or six games of the season. Some of that's Derrick Henry. Some of that's the coordinator. Some of that's the offensive line. But it's okay that it changed. And we have to acknowledge that it changed. Because Derrick Henry looked in the mirror and said, I'm garbage. And then he was better after that. And so the facts of the first three years don't change. Everyone loved him. The fans loved him. The team loved him. Everyone loved him. He was a playmaker. Led him to the playoffs. Led him to a winning record. Irrelevancy to relevancy. Now he's not, and it's different now. And we have to evaluate him differently now today. He it's, needs to go to. He needs to go get a, an injection or something. It's over from, for your, from a doctor. It, it's over for your boy. Just say it. It's not. He's not my boy. It, it's over. He's not. I, I, you can just say. Just I, say it's over. What do you? What do you mean? <laughs> it's over. He's gonna play again this year, I think. But I, it's over. Uh, what do you mean? It's pretty simple. It's over. He's what, done. What does that mean? His then? career as a Titan is over. He's done. Well, I don't think he's coming back to the Titans. I don't. I don't think anyone's argued that though. I don't think anyone said otherwise. I just said last segment. I agree with Derek that I think he's better off going somewhere else. I don't understand. It's over. And so is this hour. Back after this on morning drive. <laughs>